Counseling Unbelievers on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I have with me Pastor Tim Pasma. He's ministered at LaRue Baptist Church in LaRue, Ohio, since the spring of 1985. He's married to Rebecca, and God has blessed them with three sons and three daughters, three daughters-in-law and a son-in-law, and 14 quite active grandchildren. Uh, Pastor Tim earned his B.A. from Cedarville University and the M.Div. from Grace Theological Seminary. He serves as an ACBC fellow and is on ACBC's Board of Trustees. He lectures frequently on counseling issues at counseling conferences and for a number of Christian organizations. Tim, so grateful for you, brother. Glad that you're here with us today on the on the podcast. Privilege. Privilege to be here. Listen, we're going to talk about, yeah, it, it is a difficult topic. I have questions like this all the time in some of my classes and the places that I go and teach. This is a, a question that remains for people. What do we do with unbelievers? How do we counsel unbelievers or even do we counsel unbelievers? So I'm going to ask it this way. Some people say you cannot counsel unbelievers. Tim, is that true? Yeah, that's true. But you got to understand what we're talking about there, right? So when you're counseling, you're counseling the Word of God, and the Spirit uses the Word to, to help people change. That's the bottom line. However, what do you do with people who don't have the Spirit of God? They can't change in any significant way. You know, what Jesus said, it com- everything comes from the heart. Everything that shows up on the outside comes from the heart. If you have an unregenerate heart, these things are going to show up. So how do you counsel someone or can you counsel someone who is unregenerated? They don't have the resources to really change in the way that God says. So in one sense, we say you can't counsel unbelievers. Now, a guy I love and respect, Jay Adams, was the one who essentially said that, and he said, So counseling becomes what you might call pre-evangelism or evangelism, actually evangelism. I think that's right. It becomes an evangelistic way. It becomes a way of doing evangelism. Now, you got to understand. So when when you say you can't counsel unbelievers, people say, all right, so what do you do? You just take three weeks and they don't accept Jesus. Then you're done. You say, I can't counsel you anymore. No, that's not what we're saying. And we're not saying then that you... Don't meet with them weekly as if you would with a a counselee. You still are meeting every week. You're still talking and so forth. So when we say you can't counsel unbelievers, that's what we mean, not meaning, nope, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, I think that's a helpful clarification because when people hear you say, no, we can't counsel unbelievers, then, oh, you don't meet with unbelievers at all? No, that's not the point. And and that's a really helpful distinction because the fact of the matter is if we were to give biblical counsel to an unbeliever, we're asking them to do something without the power of the Spirit. We're asking them to now become a Pharisee, essentially. I call it becoming a more sophisticated sinner. And that's not helpful. That actually darkens their heart more and more and more. And so I think you've qualified and clarified in a very healthy way. No, we want to meet with them. We want to be able to show how their experiences in life are consistent with what the Lord says is true. That's like somebody who's walking around in the dark and who has no hope. And then we we are able to talk about the beauty of the hope of Christ. And now let's move into a little bit in terms of strategy. What helps you the most when you counsel unbelievers? Here's what helps me the most, okay? And this is what, with me, helps me understand how to approach an unbelieving counselee. It's one of my favorite Christmas verses. It's 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Joseph's instructions about Jesus, who's coming, who's going to be born. He says, uh, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All right. And so when I approach unbelievers, I'm identifying the problem as sin, but then I'm pointing them to Jesus and saying, Jesus came in order to deal with your anger, to save you from your anger, to save you from these things that you're bringing to the table. He's come to save you from those so that you can be done with those. You can grow. Those don't have to be what's true of you. So that's that's one part. The other part is Jesus knows what suffering is. So I have an unbeliever coming because he's suffering, right? His wife is done with him, wants to be done with him and so forth. And I can say, you know, Jesus knows what it is to suffer. And he's the one who says, come to me and I will give you rest, right? And so I can keep telling them those things as we as we move along. No, I love that. And I think as we talk about strategy, that, that gives proper focus, right? We really want to approach with, with this in mind. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? Uh, we have to think about our counsel to this man or woman in this way, an unbeliever. Is our counsel going to be adequate for them when they draw their last breath and they stand before the Lord? Because they can change or improve their behavior, uh, but what have they done in relation to the problem they have before a holy God? That's a big, big deal. And that has to be a framework. Now, we've talked about framework. I love the way you describe that because that, that is Jesus's reason for coming. And we have to carry that same message. As we talk about basic strategy, what is your basic strategy when counseling unbelievers? Well, I want to always put it in the context of your relationship with God. These things, and I'll be forthright, right? The reason why these things are part of your life is you're corrupted. And I want to show them that. I want to say, here's the reason why you have these problems. It's not, it's not just environment. It's not you know, your mom and your dad, it's not your wife that you're struggling with. It's the fact that you are corrupted and they have to know the origin of these problems. I've got to, you know, because you know the origin, you know the answer, right? And so I want to give them the origin of this and I want to help them see this. I want to help them see that um, the problem is they have a problem with God. They need to be reconciled to God. And having been reconciled, they then have a father who will help them. Let me give you an example of, of something that happened. So I'm sitting in my office, and of course, I'm in a small town, and one of the guys I know, right? I know him pretty well. He comes in. He's downtrodden. He's not a believer. And he says, you know, my wife has said she's done with me. I'm, I'll commit suicide. I just can't take this. And he, he's a truck driver. He talks about thinking about running his truck into the bridge, the embankments around a bridge and so forth. And And right away, you want to say, oh, well, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And, and, and I remember what I said to him. I said, listen, and I'll call him, I'll just call him Mark. I'll say, Mark, you know what? I could sit here and, and tell you all kinds of things to do, right? I could tell you all things to do. Like, here are some nifty techniques for, for a good marriage, and nifty techniques to kind of maybe win your wife over. I said, but that wouldn't help you. And I drew a tree on my board and and I had some fruit on there. And I said, the problem is there's rotten fruit up here. And actually, the problem is down here in the roots. you got to understand something. And I read Romans 3, 10 to the end of the chapter, right? There's no one righteous, not even one. No one. And I said, here is the problem right here at the roots. And so 
I can't tell you all these nifty techniques, right? That's not what it's about. It's about you're at war with God. And, you know, and in that passage, it says misery marked their ways. I remember saying to him, you're miserable because of this relation, the lack of your relationship with God. So we have to deal with this. Now, I wish I could tell you he was converted right there. He was converted later in life. But again, that's how kind of I would approach it. That's so helpful. And that, as you're talking about that, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, a passage of Scripture that Randy Patton talks about frequently. The way of the transgressor is hard, right? And what we're doing is we're demonstrating that uh, this person's life, as messed up as it is in this moment, and the difficulty that they're experiencing, it actually makes sense according to Scripture. That, that the Lord says that when we choose our way, our own way, away from Him, Life is going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. They're going to experience heartache and struggle, and it starts to make sense of their life. I'm glad to hear that Mark, in this case, uh, came to faith. That is an encouraging thing. And, and we do see that quite frequently as we're able to really talk about their insufficiency in life and the beautiful sufficiency of Christ for them. Now, let's make some distinction here because some people might be asking, well, you said, no, we don't counsel unbelievers, but that sounds sort of similar to what we would do. So, so I want you to distinguish in what ways is this type of counseling uh, like normal counseling, and what ways do you say, Tim, that it's different? Okay, in, in ways that it's the same is like, I'm still going to meet with you weekly as long as you want, okay? We'll talk about the Lord Jesus and, and how he's the answer. You know, there are times when I say, here's what God requires you to do, now do it, and they come back. I remember one couple in particular, they kept coming back and saying, this is impossible, right? And I would say, well, you know what? You need a new heart. I must have said that to them every week. You need a new heart. If you pray, if you're really serious about it, ask God for a new heart. He'll give you one, right? So it's normal in the sense of I still meet with them, right? We'll still talk. We'll still do this. It's normal in the sense of them. And I've said this in the first, but no later than the second. You need to tell them the goal of counseling, which is to glorify God. I'm going to do that with an unbeliever. I'm going to say our goal here is that you glorify God. Now, of course, they need to understand it's impossible for them to glorify God without Jesus, but at least the goal is still the same. Biblical counseling is discipleship. Well, discipleship is begins with conversion, so it still fits within that paradigm, right? I want you to be a disciple of Jesus. Here's where we start. Recognize who Jesus is and entrust yourself to him, and thus you're on the road to discipleship. So in that way, it's the same. It's different in the fact that I'm I'm consistently speaking of Jesus that's going to save them from their sins. I'm consistently going to be evangelistic in my approach. Now, the gospel has to be present. Here's another commonality. Gospel has to be with unbelievers and believers as well, right? It's the grace of God that motivates growth. And so that's the same as well. But I'm going to come at it more in an evangelistic way. And um, say, you need Jesus before you can really uh, have a different life, right? You know, you need to have a different life principle at work. And in that sense, it's, it's different, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to try and expose all the things that he's been hoping in and show them as inadequate, right? He's been trusting in something. He's been trusting in himself. He's been trusting in some method to get what he wants. He's been trusting in something, and I'm going to demonstrate by his own experience that those things are quite inadequate and call him to take on this burden, which the Lord says is light. The Lord says will bring rest for his soul. 
And I love that, Tim. This is so helpful. So many questions about this. I know this will be helpful for our counselors. We are called by Christ to engage the darkness that we see around us. And this is one of the primary ways. Biblical counseling can be so unbelievably missional. And so I don't want churches to miss that opportunity. We don't counsel in the same way, but we want to engage unbelievers with the beauty of the gospel, knowing that the Lord transforms hearts when people hear the word and believe and trust and repent by faith. Yeah. And to see, you know, man, what a great, great opportunity for evangelism because I'm in a small town, right? I'm the counseling guy. So we get opportunities of, of unbelievers coming a lot. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of fun, if I can put it that way. I don't want to be flippant, but it is, it is great to um, share the gospel, you know, and, you know, have people say, I remember outlining this, there's none righteous, no, not one. And except for Jesus. And I remember sitting there and the counselor leaning over the desk and saying to me, wow, we're all in this camp and nobody's in this camp. What hope is there? Wow. What an opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been helpful, brother. And I know it will be clarifying for our people. Engage a lost world. We have the truth of the gospel and it will pierce the darkness. Uh, So thanks for your time today, Tim. You bet. My privilege. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. You know, some of the things that Tim and I talked about this week, I get questions like that all the time. How do we deal with this person who's been to secular therapy? How do we deal with that person who's been to secular therapy? Uh, What Tim is giving are are things that that David Pallison had talked about years ago, what Dr. Jay Adams talked through years ago. Is we're just in a basic way listening for unbiblical thinking and learning to correct that with biblical truth, trying to understand where they are, how they understand themselves. I think this is such a helpful uh, topic in in so many ways. Uh, we're going to address lots more helpful topics next year at our annual conference. I, I want to introduce to you our pre-conference on our steady anchor, giving hope in counseling. I'm so excited about this particular subject. We want to make clear what it is that we're trying to accomplish in biblical counseling, that, that we have a steady anchor in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is our constant hope. And, and we need to focus once again on the beauty of our future hope with the Lord and how important that is for us to walk faithful in these days. That'll be what we talk about at our pre-conference next year. And then also our annual conference, The Care of Christ. We, we want to begin to build a methodology that we see represented in the Lord in, in how He dealt with people one-on-one. We're, we're so excited about this topic. We want you to join us October 7 through 9 in 2024 in Fort Worth, Texas, on the campus at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so we want you to join us for pre-conference, annual conference. We'll have loads of fun, unbelievable biblical teaching, teaching you how to minister the Word and counsel the Word to those who are hurting, find themselves in difficult places. So join us. You can find more information about these events at our website, biblicalcounseling.com.